Welcome to episode 137 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year to you. I hope uh, you had a, a good time on New Year's Eve. Is that so? No, New Year's is one of my least favorite holidays. Um, it involves uh, lots of strangers and parties. And, you know, parties for me is a dirty word. It's the P word. So, okay. um, no, I don't. New Year's, I stay on my little computer and work away like it's any other day and resist all invitations to peas. I see. Yeah, I've, I've had a, a long history of attending uh, New Year's parties and that I've enjoyed. But since uh, I've got the the two kids now, we uh, keep it low key. So, you know, watched watched uh, a little bit of the festivities on television and uh, think we may maybe watched a movie or something like that. So, you know, not not a lot of big excitement anymore. But you sound like an old married couple over there, buddy. Uh, I think that's kind of where we're headed. But but I'll <laughs> I'll uh, I'll chalk it up as being uh, uh, middle age, which is a horrible thing to say, but that's that's what it is. So yeah. let's embrace embrace the middle age. All right. So for our first podcast topic of 2016, we're going to talk about accessing our digital lives. Um, how you know how do we get online in 2016 and. Uh, surprisingly, I think this is going to be an area that's going to go through a lot of change. Um, and there was a recent uh, research study that you pointed me to from from uh, the Pew Research Center uh, that, that basically showed that there was a little bit of a dip in uh, uh, Americans using broadband internet. Uh, so 67 so percent of Americans have high-speed internet at home compared to 70% two years ago in 2013. And, and this is, this is a, a, a notable uh, decline because, of course, everybody's rolling out their broadband internet services, and you can't go anywhere without seeing a Fios ad uh, from Verizon, at least in, in New England. But folks are finding that service to be very expensive. And, uh, you know, as an alternative... As people adopt smartphones, they are they are getting online uh, via sort of uh, the high speed wireless providers, which you know in this case Verizon has their finger in that pie as well. But that was not something that that I saw coming because you know I appreciate a good broadband connection for you know streaming movies as you know we did on uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah. So I think this is this is. Uh, indicative of you know another generation uh, of of you know the millennials coming up and you know being used to just accessing the internet uh, in a mobile fashion and, and maybe you know as their households get started they're they're so used to doing this that they're just uh, adopting you know the wireless plan as a, as opposed to being the uh, uh, a broadband consumer. So, what's your experience been with 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 broadband versus wireless, Dirk? Well, I use all of it, <laughs> and um, you know that's because I'm I'm a geek. But uh, you know, it really comes down to use cases, right? I mean, mobile devices are the best device for low fidelity content creation and content consumption. Mm -hmm. The iPad, the tablet style format, is the best format for high um, resolution content, content 
um, consumption. The, the notebook or the computer, the device that you would want connected to broadband, is best for high-resolution content creation. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't need high-resolution content creation at home, you probably don't need broadband. Right. Uh, and so we're, I think we're seeing that play out as this computing devices ecosystem becomes more mature. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, you know some of this is interesting because you know as as more folks adopt the high speed wireless connections, you know a couple things are going to happen. First, you know as as more people are accessing the internet in that way, you're going to get the same kind of constraints that come with you know a lot of usage, which you know as cable. Uh, uh, internet users know once once you have a bunch of people pinging the service, then everything slows down to a crawl. Yeah. Uh, you know, FiOS is much is much better that way. That's the fiber optic service from from Verizon. Uh, but I think that there's there's going to be an interesting uh, uh, competition here because I I think you know it's it's not all that easy uh, to see where the, where the limits are. I mean, they, they're both going to bump up against uh, usage limits for, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, what is attractive with, with the mobile uh, high-speed internet is that you can sort of get it wherever and whenever you want, and it, it you know, moves with you, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to watch your HBO Now while you're waiting in line, it's there. John, that's going to get expensive. Yeah, for sure. Well, they've got those uh, those data plans now where they don't count streaming services against your data plans. So, so I mean, that's that's where the wireless providers are really trying to stick it to, 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 to broadband. And 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 the thing is, I don't know if you know if you've got uh, a larger television and you want HD on it. I don't know that it's going to be very easy for you to watch a movie uh, via the uh, the mobile internet. You're going to need to suck down a lot more data than than maybe it's you know easy to uh, uh, easy to access that way. Mm-hmm. And there's there's all sorts of ex- uh, you know quality and expense issues like you know uh, T-Mobile can throw up more towers. Um, you know, to increase their footprint and, and uh, you know, all the wireless providers can do that. It's very expensive to roll out more fiber optic uh, service, you know, across uh, a, a location because you have to dig, you know, you have to dig up the ground or you have to string uh, wires along the uh, telephone poles. So, th- so there's a lot more expense there. That's true. Uh, so, so as companies are sort of deciding where to, uh, to invest their money for, for internet access, I imagine that the mobile providers are really going to try to take the hammer to, uh, uh, to, you know, we'll call it the landline uh, or, or fiber or cable yeah. uh, be- simply because they can. But there is going to be that upper limit where, where uh, service starts to degrade. Where I think this starts to get very interesting is, you know, you're talking about uh, the Internet of Things where you have, uh, you know, a lot more devices connecting to the Internet. And some of those are going to be done via cellular networks that are uh, not uh, typically accessible by uh, some of the mobile products that we might, you know, carry around with us, like the smartphones and and or your, your wearable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But you're going to have a lot more... Uh, objects competing for for bandwidth, you know, sort of regardless. Um, And, you know, there's going to be uh, sort of business critical 
services that, that are that are, that are being uh, relayed that way. Yeah. So so that creates you know additional sort of tension over over assigning of bandwidth, uh, and I fully expect the mobile wireless. Uh, um, area to to explode over the next couple of years because of that consideration, Dirk. When when you think about all of the uh, Internet of Things objects that are coming, you know, what, how does that affect your your considerations of uh, Internet access? You know, in terms of the the Internet of Things we can see today and those in the near future, frankly, their requirements for bandwidth are very limited. It tends to be sending very small data packets. Um, and not even necessarily constantly, but just on a routine or, or semi-basis. So in the short term, I don't think the Internet of Things is a big consideration. The question is, in 20 years, what what will be the relationship of the Internet of Things in this ecosystem? And then it could be much more dramatic. So I think I think you're right that that's, that's a key trend to, to put your finger on. But, you know, mobile, there's a lot going for mobile connection as the primary connection. I mean... The last time that my cell phone didn't work in a place or cell phone, I guess, is an antiquated way of putting it. Sure. The last. um, You're showing your age, too. I am showing my age. The last time that my iPhone didn't work in a place I know I get good coverage and it works, I can't even remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably years ago that it didn't work. With the broadband connection, there's always some problem. You know, you have to reset your router, you have to unplug the the box from the provider and wait 10 seconds and mm-hmm. plug in all this bullshit. There's never the case with, with the mobile connection. It's always there. It's always on. And for people who aren't, you know, workaholics or Uber geeks like me and, and, and maybe you, um, you just don't need the, the, the width of that broadband pipe. You re- you would rather just make sure that when you want to, you know, um, t- tweet your cat picture or, text your boyfriend um, that you can just do it and not have to reset some goofy hardware that you don't understand. And so I think there's there's just a lot of good reasons why people would gravitate to, you know, preferring their mobile connection. Yeah, one, one thing that's, that's quite interesting about, um, you know, this uh, uh, sort of corollary trend of, of cord cutting, right, is that you're able to get so much content now uh, online, whether it's via Netflix or HBO Now or Amazon Prime, that um, you know consuming that content on on your mobile phone uh, no longer seems quite as limited as it did a couple of years ago. I mean, you can watch uh, a lot of movies, a lot of great shows, and additionally, when you're holding the phone in front of you, sorry, but you know it's uh, um, the you have the same ratios because, you know, it's, it's sort of closer to your face, right? So, so it's not as immersive as, you know, maybe your larger TV is, but, you know, the experience is okay, especially if, you know, you're in a family where everybody wants to watch something different, which is an interesting uh, time at my house where, uh, you know, we're on our, on our phones and all watching, you know, uh, different shows or movies or whatever. Right. So, so, you know, I see that as, uh, uh, you know, a possible way of consuming content in the future. Everybody's just on their own sort of uh, uh, private wavelength and checking out shows on their own. Yeah, but but living in the midst of that now, it sure is nice to look at the big screen, it right? Is. I mean, when I'm home, I'm often relegated to watching something on my phone mm-hmm. or my laptop screen. 
Um, my iPad is now broken, but previously my iPad screen would have been a common one. Um, but now during this break, you know, I had some times when the family was gone. Mm-hmm. I could stream on Chromecast to the giant TV, you know, work and have it on the giant TV. And that was happy. Like it was yeah. a much richer and more enjoyable experience than like trying to work on my laptop with my iPhone with this tiny screen with a movie going or something. Um, it, it was much more humane. It was much – it just felt good instead of feeling – forced and and broken so there's that balance right i mean the the realities of how our homes are designed today the realities of how our computing ecosystems are designed today are such that um, in order to satisfy our different content desirements we're locked into these small screens and these sort of hobbled experiential moments but those aren't the best ways for consuming that content and I expect as more time goes on, we'll gravitate away from the strictly utilitarian, um, you know, personal desires being met to something that's far more experientially rich, even while leveraging on allowing us to see what we want to see, as opposed to the whole family um, watching some compromised thing that no one wants to watch. Right. Yeah, there, there are a host of design considerations, you know, that come along with the way we access uh, uh, the Internet. You know, we're just talking about a few of them here. But, you know, you've got uh, design for multiple types of devices, right? You know, you start watching on one device and finish up on another. Uh, additionally, once you're talking about a device that's moving with with you as you're, you know, going through life, um, the... Uh, sort of the quality of the connection there matters an awful lot, and you, you've you've noted that that your connection has been pretty good. I've had the opposite experience at, oh, at my your, at my house, phone. yeah. Um, where but that might be by your house's location. It right? could be, yeah. It just makes the you know this uh, sort of cord cutting mobile. Um, paradigm impossible right. for, for me, yeah, yeah. whereas the fiber, you know, feels great. Yeah. Uh, but all of these uh, sort of real world considerations coupled with, you know, the user experience of the, you know, the software, uh, I think it's going to continue to be an area where designers are going to be uh, focusing because, uh, you know, the quality of the network, as, as we've noted, is no longer uh, in particular guaranteed. And uh, at, at the same time, there are all sorts of different options for accessing the network. So I've, I've seen uh, a number of designers talk about, uh, you know, incorporating uh, those considerations into uh, their general design practice. Like, how are you accessing uh, the network and what's the quality of the connection, right? So, so there, are, there, are, there are designers who are exploring that area, and I, th- I think it's going to become increasingly important because it, it says, you know, we've got this life online now, and so we kind of expect it to be like water. You turn on a, a tap and, and it flows. Uh, but that is, you know, we're not quite there yet. So, so it'll be interesting to see how these uh, 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 competing areas for Internet access play out in 2016. Interesting indeed. Listeners, Remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included resources uh, and links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. Uh, so you can check that out while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. 
That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Or email me, Dirk, at GoInvo.com. So that's it for episode 137 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Neumeyer, I'm John Follett. Happy New Year, and we'll see you next time.